Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Well, if you will, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And um, journey through maybe some familiar verses and familiar passages to us, but the word should never be familiar in the sense that we don't receive it with honor and value. Amen? Familiar as in get to know, familiar as in abide in, familiar as in I'm easily aware of and able to recognize, but not familiar in the sense that I treat it as common or treat it as less than or or lower the standard of the word. Amen? But these will probably be some familiar passages. And last week, we ministered along the lines of the Holy Spirit. Last week, last Sunday, was what we refer to and know as Pentecost Sunday. Amen? The power of the Holy Spirit falling upon the church to do and to demonstrate the kingdom. Aren't you thankful that the kingdom is not just something that we talk about? It's something we ought to live out. It ought to be something that we practice and we can put into our daily lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the working of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer. And so this week I felt led, and and this may possibly be um, something we camp on for maybe a few weeks, um, but I want to talk about walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit and walking with the Spirit. Once we have invited the Holy Spirit into the work of our lives and into the walk of our lives, it's extremely important that we understand how the Holy Spirit works with us. And if you remember, um, I gave us last week five roles that the Holy Spirit plays, or the five roles in, in ways, in the way to which the Holy Spirit affects the life of the believer. Number one, He shows us in Uh, renews our mind to our new identity. How many of you know when you came out of darkness into light, you gained a whole new identity? But you need to discover who this person is. You need to discover what this person can do. You need to understand what you have at your disposal. You need to understand what your assignment and your purpose is. So the Holy Spirit, I like to put it this way, introduces your old new to the new you. The old you to the new you. Amen. He's changing the old thinking and the old patterns and the old mindsets and the old behaviors, and he's beginning to shape that within you. We also saw that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. Amen? You know, there's no confusion when you know the truth of the word. But we are living in an extremely confused society because there's no reliance or dependence on the Holy Spirit. And notice that we need a guide into truth that apparently I can't just unveil and discover truth for myself. Otherwise, we end up with your truth and her truth and his truth and the left truth and the right truth and the up truth and the down truth and my truth. We end up with all different versions of truth. But you know, the Holy Spirit has one version, one version of truth, one interpretation of scripture, one interpretation of what God's standards are. And so we need a guide into all truth. And so that is the Holy Spirit. We also saw that the saw that the, the Holy Spirit empowers the believer. Literally brings power. The Jesus told his disciples, "You will receive power." 
That word power is the word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite or dynamic from. It's miraculous power. A great ability beyond natural ability. Supernatural ability. Why? Because I need supernatural power to fulfill a supernatural assignment. Amen. I need supernatural power. Somebody said, do you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? No, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. (laughs) I need the Holy Spirit to thumb through Instagram. I need the Holy Spirit to have a conversation. I need the Holy Spirit to stand up for righteousness. I need the Holy Spirit to restrain me and hold my tongue when I want to say something real quick. Come on, I need the Holy Spirit's power working in my life. These are the ways that the Holy Spirit wants to impact and improve the life of the believer. And I believe this, if you learn to partner with and work with the Holy Spirit, walk with the Spirit, your life will become a direct reflection of heaven. I believe that your life will become a direct, you will so be connected with the expression of the heart of the Father. There's no greater way. We said this last week that the the Father introduces us, or the Holy Spirit, rather, introduces us to the Father. Now, you want to have a relationship with God, and I have a relationship, but how is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because however your relationship is with the Spirit, that's how your relationship's going with the Father, because he is the expression of, The spirit of a man is the expression of a man. And so the Holy Spirit is not third on the the list. It's not God the Father, number one, Jesus the Son, number two, and then down here, number three. No, they're all one. One person expressed in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It seems to me it's important that we get to know the Holy Spirit. It seems to me it's important that we come to understand what being baptized in the Holy Spirit means, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then being uh, in in a position where we walk with the Spirit. There's three ways that the Spirit works in the life of the believer from salvation on. Number one is you are born of the Spirit. John chapter three said, uh, Jesus said in John chapter three, you cannot even see or enter the kingdom unless you are born, what? Again. So for everyone that says, well, I was just born this way, good. You need to be born again. Come on. Well, I was just born with the bad attitude. Well, get born again. I was just born confused. Well, get born again. We all need to be born again. You need to be unborn out of something and reborn into the new life of Christ, amen. And so we need to be born of the spirit. The second is we need to be filled with the spirit. You need to be filled with the spirit. And I'll remind you, Jesus didn't even do ministry without first being filled with the spirit, having the Holy Spirit come upon you. And that's when you receive that power. That's when you receive that boldness. That's when you receive those gifts for ministry. That's when you receive that that empowering of the kingdom upon you that now takes you just from something you talk about to something that you actually walk and live and demonstrate on a daily basis. You need to be filled with the spirit. Thirdly, and maybe if we had to prioritize, the most important, you need to be led by the spirit. We need to be born of the Spirit, come into the kingdom. You need to be born again. You need to be filled with the Spirit, have the kingdom's power come upon you. 
And then number three, which is what we're gonna talk about, is being led by the Spirit. Actually, here in Romans chapter eight and verse 14, if you jump halfway down there, you find out that uh, the word says that those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It is a marker, if you will, a characteristic of the children of God that they are led by the Spirit of God. Remember, we said this last week, Jesus came for the world, but the Holy Spirit came for the church. Jesus came for the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But the Holy Spirit came specifically for you and I, for the church. The Holy Spirit does not rest upon people in the world, does not rest upon lost individuals, does not rest upon those that have not made Jesus Lord. If you haven't even submitted to the Lordship of Christ, then you don't even need the power of the Holy Spirit. But to those that submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, I'm walking away from darkness and I'm coming into light, I'm putting down dead things and I'm taking on new things, being remade and reborn and and renewed, then I need the leading and the working of the Holy Spirit in my life. It's amazing that the Bible does not end with Jesus dying on a cross and rising again. The very next book after the Gospels is a book that's literally called Acts. (laughs) It's demonstrations. They named it Acts, action, meaning there's something happening, meaning you have become a force for the kingdom of God in this earth. We are doing something, demonstrating heaven on earth. And the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to help us with this. So we wanna understand what this walking in the spirit, walking with the spirit, living in the spirit, what this really looks like. Romans chapter eight, verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So the qualifier is what? In Christ Jesus. To receive a life of no condemnation. And he's connecting something because in, in, in Romans, you know, really beginning in verse, or in chapter four, five, six, seven, he's talking about you have been baptized in the baptism that Jesus was baptized in. You have, your, your old man is dead. Uh, you, we, you know, we, we fell into sin because of one man's transgression. We have all these verses in here, but we've also been brought to life. So the, 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 the number one issue now is if you're gonna hinge in this walk in the spirit and you're gonna have to put away the things of the flesh, you're gonna find out that's the contrast here in a minute. The first thing he says you're gonna have to get rid of is condemnation. See, condemnation is the in-between. I've come out of darkness, I've been made new, but condemnation keeps a new man living like an old man. So Jesus is, or, or, or Paul's writing here and he's saying, we don't want you stuck halfway. We don't want the work of the cross and the completed work of what Jesus did to be of null and void, of no effect in your life because you live in condemnation. Condemnation is the past reaching into the future and grabbing you and saying you can't have it. Condemnation is your past still having a hold on you even though it's been put to death. So he says right here, the first thing you're gonna have to uh, extract from your life is condemnation. There is 
No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Meaning, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father, not one of them is ever gonna bring up your past as a reason why you can't pursue your future. If you ever have a condemning thought, a shameful thought, go ahead and capture it like we've been talking about on Wednesday nights. Take it captive and say, that's a thought from the enemy. Right, I mean, right then and there. Don't ever allow that thought to dwell, to reside. Don't ever entertain it. Don't invite it in. Don't welcome it into your life because it only comes from one source. Condemnation will always only come from one source. But the problem is, is if we don't solve the condemnation issue, you won't solve any other issue beyond that. He's saying right here, you won't get the rest of Romans chapter eight, which if I had to pick a favorite, Romans chapter eight is probably my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. It's just that chock full, jam-packed with just such good stuff. Paul like outdid himself on Romans 8. It could be its own book by itself. It's so good. But he keys it all off with no condemnation. Let me remind you, the old is gone. Let me remind you that the old man has been crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. The, the, the old things are dead. They have been crucified and buried. I've been baptized, made new in him. But four, five, and six, and, and seven, and all that Jesus did is all of no effect if there's condemnation residing still. And condemnation will always compromise your walk with the Spirit. Condemnation will always compromise your walk with the Spirit because you're more aware of your failure than you are your future. You're more aware of your brokenness, your humanity. It's not a a, a reference that we make a whole lot in church anymore, but you need to understand the difference between a sin consciousness and an in him consciousness. Identity is so key to everything we do in life, everything we do in life. Naturally speaking, it's, it's, it's key. But spiritually speaking, it, it robs, the enemy robs us of our purpose, our assignment, our calling, our future, our hope when we don't know who we are. And if you have a greater awareness, we've been on this now for a while, for several weeks. If you have a greater awareness of what's behind you than what's before you, then you cannot enter into the things that God has for you. I'm not talking about living like you got it all right. I'm not talking about living like everything's perfect and just a bed of roses. I'm not talking about just ignoring the the defaults and the failures and, and, and the areas of weakness, but you don't emphasize those things as that's my identity. That's just who I am. As if there's nothing that can be done about it. Jesus did something about it. The cross was enough. The blood he shed was enough. The life he gave was enough. The torture he endured was enough. The beatings that he took was enough. It was enough. He doesn't need to come back down and do it again. We don't need a second run through. It was good for past, present, and future. It covers all of it. So to allow condemnation to continue to rule and reign in our lives, it can't. I had no intention of dwelling on that. But I just feel right now in this moment, whoever's dealing with that, I speak life over you right now in the name of Jesus. Condemnation has to be loosed in your life in the name of Jesus. 
Come on, if that's you, just raise your hand. Come on, if your past is still trying to creep in, if it's still trying to show up, you probably won't raise your hand because that's what condemnation does. It won't, it won't even let you raise your hand and admit condemnation is bothering me. It's been tugging on my life. But if your past is trying to creep back in and I've, I'm gonna mess up again, I've now, I won't be able to make it, I won't be able to get through, oh, the stuff that I've done, oh, it's a, it's a barrier, it's a wall, let it go. Release it in the name of Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's got to go. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I get passionate on this moment. And I, get, I, I, I get a little incensed just a little bit when I see the enemy continuing to bombard righteous people that have been delivered and set free by their past and their brokenness and their failures and their hurts. Is there activity that we've got to do on our part to let things go? Absolutely. But I'm telling you right now, you need to receive the finished work of the cross. As a pastor, it's my joy, it's my life to see people get free. That that is what I'm called to do. And it's not just a job and it's not just a paycheck I collect. It's what I love to do is I love seeing people get free, discovering who they are and letting bondage go. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then he clarifies it even further. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but what? According to the spirit. That's what we're gonna talk about. Walking according to the spirit. Walking by the spirit. Walking with the spirit. Walking in the spirit is what you were made for. It changes how you receive things. It changes how you respond to things. It changes how you view yourself. It changes how you view others. It has a great impact on the life of the believer and there's nothing worse than a believer that still walks by the flesh. A believer that's come into the kingdom but still identifies with and holds on to a fleshly lifestyle. He goes on in verse two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Everyone say free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. What does that mean? The law could not redeem you. It could only make you extremely aware you're a sinner but it did not have the capacity to save you from your sins. The law was to be an indicator you've fallen away, right? Because I can't correct what I don't know needs to be changed. All confrontation or all change begins with confrontation. All change begins with what you're willing to confront. All change begins with what you're willing to address. That's out of alignment. That's where change begins. Is just identifying, right? You ever tried to help someone that doesn't know they have a problem? Isn't that the most laborious task? The most ugh, exhausting. I, I, I can't even help you correct the issue because you don't even know you have the issue. It's a deception. 
No, the law showed up in our lives and said, we've fallen here, we've missed this, we gotta get back onto this. But it was weak in the flesh, meaning our flesh still reigned, our flesh still ruled. But what the law was weak to do, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful, sinful flesh, meaning he put on that sin. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law, everyone say requirement, of the law might be fulfilled in us, here it is again, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live, now he qualifies it, he identifies what this life looks like. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit the things of the spirit, the things of the spirit. So notice that he's gone from walking to living because that word walk, most times in, in the New Testament, when you see the word walk in these types of contexts, you can replace it with the word live. So if he's saying walk in the spirit, what he's really saying is live in the spirit, dwell in the spirit. Now, if I were to ask you, where do you live? You're not gonna tell me about the vacation you just got done taking. You're not going to tell me about the place, your favorite place to visit. You're going to tell me your address or your city and state or the town or however detailed you want to get, however descriptive, but you're going to give me the place that you abide and you dwell and you remain. Living in the spirit is not, there's way different than visiting in the spirit. <laughs> you see where I'm going? It's way different than giving Jesus, uh, you know, parental rights on Sunday morning between 1030 and 12. It's way different. We're not talking about something we, we frequent. Some people only know the Holy Spirit inside this room. Some people only know a move of the Spirit or a, a, a living in the Spirit or a dwelling only by the activity that happens within the confines of the church walls or when there's a Bible study meeting or when they're with another Christian or believer. But we're talking, Paul is talking about something that you remain in daily, living by the Spirit, living. It changes everything when we live in the Spirit living in the spirit. He says, for those who uh, live, verse five, according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse six says, for to be carnally minded is death. Now he's getting to the results. So here's the activity and here's the result of the activity. The result of a carnal mind, which is a flesh mind, and, and, and let's just go ahead and identify this, a carnal mind is halfway. There's three types of people on this planet today, three kinds of people. One is lost people that don't know Christ. Two are believers that live according to the spirit. But the third kind is in between. It's believers that are in the spirit, but still live according to the flesh. That's a carnal person, meaning you have the capacity, you have the ability, you have the, you've been born again, been made new, but you still live like the old man. You still live according to the old way, the old nature the Bible talks about. But you've been made a new nature, given a new nature. You've been made a new creation. What? In Christ 
Jesus. And so this new creation needs to put on a new nature. But to be carnally minded is death. Recognize the carnal mind gets the same result as the lost mind. Now that word death isn't just speaking to physical death. It's not even just speaking to spiritual death. It's talking about an ineffectiveness and an unfruitfulness. And you bear no fruit of the kingdom of God. A carnal mind, one that lives according to the flesh, according to the spirit of this world, still produces bad fruit or produces no fruit, unfruitful, ineffective. I don't know about you, but I want to be effective for the kingdom of God. I want to be effective in these last days. I want to be effective in my conversations. I want to be effective in my responses to things. I want to be effective in my demonstration of things. I want to be, I want to make an effect. I want to leave an impact on the earth. I don't remember who said it. It sounds like a Miles Monroe quote to me, but something along the lines of, you do not reserve the right to leave this planet without it knowing you were here. I like that. And every person has that capacity. Every person has the capacity to leave a mark. Well, I don't travel the world. I don't do global missions. No, not not the world, your world, your sphere of influence, your backyard. Many times we get so focused on the nations abroad that we forget about the nation right here, the backyard of our lives, the spheres of influences that you're placed in, the cubicles and the ball fields and the, and the, the neighborhood parks and the grocery stores. Come on. You can make an impact right where you're at. Now, I think it's important for every person to have a passport. Isn't that right, Pastor Chris? Come on, you need a passport. If you don't have a passport, you ain't expecting to go anywhere. You need to go. I mean, so we need to go. Go ye into all the world, right? But not at the expense of where God's called you. Not at the expense of where he's placed you, where he's assigned you. Well, we become ineffective if we remain carnally minded, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I don't know. It sounds like a great trade-off to me. Death, life, and peace. I'm going to go with life and peace. Choose you this day, right? I place before you two choices, right? Life and death. And he even gives you the answer. Choose life. I like taking a test when it's got the answers, right? Open book. Right? I hated, you know, I, I don't know how they do it these days. I don't, I don't know why they did it in the first place, but in my math book, the back of the book had all the answers to the odd questions, and the teacher always assigned the even questions. Now, I see what you're doing. I want the questions answered in the back of the book. Well, guess what? We know the back of the book. This one's got all the solutions, all the answers. God didn't play that game. God didn't say, I'll just give you the even ones. You got to figure it out on the odd ones. He said, I give you all the answers to all the questions. I'm placing it before you this day. Choose life in peace. Because the carnal mind, verse seven, is enmity against God. It means it's, it's in obstruction to God. It's an enemy of God. 
Guys, if you're waiting for your flesh to get in alignment with the plan of God, it's never gonna happen. Well, one day when I, when I, I, I just wanna do the right thing. Paul talked about that in chapter seven, by the way. He said, when I wanna do the thing I wanna do, I don't do it. And the thing that I don't wanna do, I do. And then he says, what wretched man am I? I mean, what kind of life is this? Now, a lot of times people, you know, incorrectly quote those verses thinking that our life is just this wrestling between the flesh and the spirit and, and the thing that I want to do, I don't do. And, and, and you use it as an excuse to say, no, Paul's referencing his old nature. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, guys, it just doesn't stay in context. I understand he said it, but it's not in context. Like we, we, we love the verse that says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. That's not a, a divine verse that was spoken by a man that had everything taken away in his life. And he's speaking out of his human nature. Job has lost everything, lost his home, lost his family, lost his kids. He's, he's, he's literally, his body's been afflicted. And he makes the statement, the Lord giveth and the Lord, and we write songs about it. There's a song, at least one I know. He gives and takes away. No, he doesn't. The Lord is a giver. He is a giver, a giver of life. And then Jesus said, I'm gonna go even above that. Life more abundantly, like more life than you can handle. The enemy comes to steal, to kill and to destroy, but I've come to give life and life more abundantly. He is a giver. So we gotta understand these passages in the context of the entire Bible. Don't take a verse and make a song out of it and make a religious statement that makes our flesh feel really good, but at the end of the day, it doesn't equate with the true expression of the heart of the Father. Amen. So I'll get off that soapbox and keep on moving here. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. It says, nor indeed can it be. It will never be submitted to the things of God. Verse eight So then those who are in the flesh, here it is, cannot please God. You know, we we have, uh, you know, and, and, and rightfully so, expressed great emphasis when it comes to the love of God and the love of the Father. And it's greater than what we'll ever understand. For who can know the, the width and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God? What can separate us from the love of God, great love. But I can tell you something today. He can love you with all the great love he has, but if you don't have an appropriate response, you'll remain in the same state. Love always demands a response. That's why God didn't make us robots in the garden in Adam and Eve, that we just automatically did the right thing because there's no response. There's no appropriate heart postured, yielded postured response Do you not eat of the fruit? Okay, I can do that. Love always demands a response. He wanted a creation. He wanted a nature. He wanted a mankind that would follow him out of love, not out of compliance. Not out of, I do all the right things. The enemy wants to replace the love of God with religious activity. And Jesus dismantled this. Because he says, you think by your actions you're doing right. I'm telling you that if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. He went right to the core and said, if you don't have it right in here, it's not right out here. 
Amen. But I want to live a life that pleases God. And in the flesh, I cannot please God. But that tells me on the flip side, in the spirit, I become a pleasure to God. I please him. And every parent in here knows the difference between love and pleasure. Because you love your child. I know that. You do anything for them. But you are not always pleased with them. I know that too. Just because I love them doesn't mean I'm pleased with what I'm receiving. And the walking in the spirit helps us move from just being loved by God to now actually being pleasured by God. Actually pleasuring and being a pleasure to him. Actually having a life pleasing to the Father. says, in whom I am what? Well pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have done well with what you have been given. Love is what I gave you. Stewarding that love is what you give back to him. Love is what he gives to you. But now what do we offer back to him? I offer a life that's pleasing to him. Romans chapter 12 tells us that. Don't conform to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is how we offer our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. We want to live a life that's pleasing to him. But verse nine says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So that's why this is important to understand the Holy Spirit coming within us, the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And now we partner with the Holy Spirit. We live with, we walk with the Holy Spirit. Uh, If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who what? Who dwells in you. The degree to which you experience the kingdom is determined by the degree you value a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. The degree to which you experience the kingdom is determined by the degree to which you value the Holy Spirit, value the work, value the leading, value the prompting, value the still small voice. We've got to be individuals that are uh, believers, individuals that are led by the Spirit of God. Walking with the Spirit, living with and living in the Spirit. Verses five and six in the Passion Translation. Verses five and six, Romans eight. Those who are motivated by the flesh, I like that, only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. How do I know when it's me? How do I know when it's the Holy Spirit? Deepen your relationship. How do, you, how do you get rid of that questioning? Deepen the relationship. Now, this is what I know, is over time, as you deepen that relationship, his will becomes your will. 
And so there will be times where you'll think, well, that's just my thought. Well, that's just because your thought has now aligned with his thoughts. You see? And so now it's like, oh, that's just me. It is. But it's because you have become so submersed and so submitted to his way that what he wants, you want. What he desires, you desire. Right? We like that verse over in, uh, is it in Psalms? He will give you the, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We, you know, uh, prosperity gospel loves that, you know, he will give you anything your heart desires and wishes for. Actually, the correct translation of that verse is he will give you what to desire. Delight yourself in the Lord and you'll find yourself desiring what he desires. On the flip side, not desiring what he does not desire. I want my thoughts to align with his. I want my will to align with his. I want my intentions to align. I want what he sees as important, I want to see as important. What he values, I value. What he loves, I love. What he hates, I hate. How could God hate? You can't even love effectively until you hate something. If you love justice, it's because you hate injustice. There's, there's always a flip side to that. And so we want all those passions and all those desires and, and all the, the internal workings of ourselves to align with him. How does that happen? Walking in the spirit, living in the spirit. And so then it becomes impulses, it says. We live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And those who live by the impulses are motivated to pursue, here it is, spiritual realities. For the sense and reason of the flesh is death. But the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. And the Amplified, it reads this way. Same verses, verse five. For those who are according to the flesh and are, uh, and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. Notice who's getting pleased out of all this, by the way. One pleases the father and the other pleases yourself. But those who are according to the spirit and are controlled by the desires of the spirit set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Your mind is powerful. Your mind is capable. Your mind is imaginative. Your mind is creative, but without the Holy Spirit, it's unrestrained. Without the Holy Spirit, it's unguarded. Without the Holy Spirit, it's got no rail system, no boundary system to create the confines within which your mind can create and your mind can imagine. People that, that live with worry and anxiety and, and, and these kind of fears of the future and concerns, they have not submitted their mind to the Lord. And he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is what? 
stayed on him. So you're using the creative power and the imaginary, the imaginative power and the ability to see what is not even yet there, what has not even yet happened, but you're using it for bad, not for good, right? It's what we talk about, that, that faith and worry work on the same plane. They work in the same way. They're both imagining something that has not yet taken place. So when I see someone that worries a lot, I think, man, if we can flip that, we great, we create one of the greatest faith giants has ever walked this planet. Because if you can use the same imagination to imagine good rather than bad, because some of y'all got great imaginations when it comes to the negative stuff. <laughs> some of y'all can picture defeat and destruction. Some of us can see this nation going to hell in a handbasket, right? We see in four years, what's the next four years? Some of us at, 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 at uh, campaign time and, and it's time to vote a new president in, some of us have a great imagination of what the next four years are gonna be like. Well, what if you would let your mind be submitted to the spirit? What if we would allow our mind to be submitted to the things of God? Maybe we could imagine a great outpouring. Maybe we, we could see opposition as opportunity for God's glory to be revealed. Maybe we could see the, the sickness and disease in our, in our bodies as a great testimony of what God's gonna do and how God's gonna show himself strong and mighty and faithful. But man, we, we let our minds run wild with the imagination of the negative. No, a mindset on the spirit brings in the restraints and no, I'm not gonna dwell on that. I'm not gonna think on that. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna imagine that. I'm not gonna wonder and worry what may happen. I'm gonna believe in what God has told me he's, is gonna happen by his word. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. And he's qualified to do that because he's been in our future. He knows the end from the beginning. Amen. So uh, verse six in the Amplified, the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is death, death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, both now and forever. We're talking about living in a continual connection with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about living in a continual, ongoing, um, relational aspect. Remember, we said this last week, the Holy Spirit is not a presence. The Holy Spirit's not a power. The Holy Spirit's not an emotion and not a feeling. All those things are results of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit itself is a person a person to develop, strengthen, and maintain a relationship with. Now, without turning there, in John chapter 15, Jesus speaks about abiding, right? And he says, abide in me, and I in you. Abide in me, and my words abide in you, and you will what? Bear much fruit. There's the fruitfulness. There's the effectiveness. There's the, but I've got to be abiding. And this is the thing. What I abide in, I become aware of. What I abide in, I become aware of. And we all 
to different degrees in this room have different levels of awareness to the Holy Spirit. I love the song that we sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Flood this place. Flood this with, with the atmosphere, right? The, the bridge of that is let us become more aware of your presence. See, sometimes we think like through prayer or through devotion to God or getting in his word that God changes. But I think, I know, prayer changes me. Praise changes me. Worship changes me. It brings into better focus. It brings greater clarity of what God is doing. And it's not that God, I mean, in these last several years, when we say that God, why aren't you moving? God, why aren't you working? Maybe he is, and we're just not aware of it. And I believe that the church that becomes aware of the spirit of God in all his workings and in all his leadings and his guidings that we will see that move of God more clearly. We'll see it even in a more tangible way, but it begins with awareness. As we talk about aware, uh, uh, abiding, as we talk about walking in the spirit, really what Paul is saying is become more aware of what the spirit is doing than what the devil's doing. Now, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, do not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. Do not be ignorant of how the, but we don't ever talk about what the devil is doing to put him on a pedestal like he's running rampant and there's just nothing we can do about it. Come on. I remind you again, the church is never losing. The church is not in defeat mode. We might not be standing and rising to our full capacity and full potential, but if you'll look for the real church, if you'll find the church of the living God, the ones called by and living under the lordship of Jesus Christ and understand their purpose and assignment to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, if you'll find them, you'll find that the, the, the church is doing quite well. We cannot be defeated. We cannot be defeated. He always wins, he always reigns, he always rules. But what I need is awareness. What I need is an ability to see what is really happening, what is really going on. We need to increase our awareness. I've said this before, but I believe if we increase our awareness, we will increase our responsiveness. If we'll increase our awareness, we will increase our ability to respond to the spirit, to how he's leading us, to the putting down of the flesh. He's saying you need to become aware of different things. In Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. And beginning with verse 17, he says this, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander. That doesn't sound like abiding, does it? 
They wander far from the life God gives because they, here it is, have closed their minds and hardened their hearts. That is not a life that is aware of the spirit of God. That is not a walking with the spirit. That is not a yieldedness to the spirit. That is not living day to day. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, how are you leading? Holy Spirit, how would you have me respond? Holy Spirit, what would you have me say? And there are times the Holy Spirit will have you speak up because Jesus told his disciples, don't worry about what to say in the moment because the Holy Spirit will what? Show you what to say. The Holy Spirit won't just always keep you silent. There are times where he'll keep you silent. Restrain yourself. Jesus did that. But there are times where the Holy Spirit will have you boldly speak up concerning a situation. He'll give you the words to say and he'll empower you with boldness to speak up and do it. But their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life God is Uh, God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Eagerly practice. Aren't we in those days? Eagerly practice. I think I told y'all a few weeks ago, Pastor Earl had given this word, had received this word and given this word by the spirit um, several weeks ago in St. Augustine, and and when he was ministering, he said, you know, we have been praying for a long time that darkness would be exposed, it would be brought to light. That people's intentions, hidden motives, hidden agendas, spiritual forces behind uh, a, a lot of what's taking place, it needs to be brought to light, it needs to be exposed. But he said the Lord redirected him a few weeks ago and said, you need to pray, you need to pray now for removal, not just exposure. Because here's where we're at today is you have Jesus and Barabbas standing on the podium and they're still choosing Barabbas. You can expose it all you want and people will still choose darkness. We're living in these days. They eagerly practice. They want their sin. They want their lustful pleasures. They want their immorality. They want their depravity. And you can show them a better way and a better life and they will still say, no, give me the darkness. I believe that's a word from the Lord. Because the Bible tells us that, that we'll, we'll walk in days where up is down and down is up. Right is wrong and wrong is right. They're just gonna change the narrative of it to further clothe and cloak themselves in immorality. They're gonna call you hateful and they're gonna say they're the loving ones. And we include and we tolerate and we allow and we accept I mean, we're in that month right now. Everybody all of a sudden is on the the agenda and the narrative. And so when darkness shows up, it's, it's no longer just, well, expose it and show them righteousness. Some of these, you know, individuals, CEOs, political, whatever, If you're standing for that stuff and you're rightfully standing for that stuff, even when shown the truth, we're praying for your removal. 
We're praying, you, you, you don't belong in leadership. You don't belong running that business. You don't belong, if that's gonna be your, your agenda and your nature, we're praying for your removal or someone to come across your path to change your heart, amen. And so, um, you know, we're seeing these things that the, the eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But look what he says in verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. That's not how you were shown. I mean, if we're walking by the Spirit, there should be a distinct difference, a distinguishing of values, a distinguishing of what's important, a distinguishing of responses, a distinguishing of what we determine is the right way to address something or the right way to live. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off, everyone say throw off, your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, here it is, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Verse 24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And then he goes on a laundry list here of things that we shouldn't be living by any longer. The first one he says is, so stop telling lies. Tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. This is all a result of living by the spirit, not by the flesh. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. I love how black and white this is. Use your hands for good works, good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful and your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as, God, uh, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This all is a result of a greater awareness of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I know that when we wanna talk about the Holy Spirit, we wanna talk about the gifts, we wanna talk about the manifestations, we wanna talk about the demonstrations, but guys, we've gotta have the work of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives if we wanna have the work of the gifts of the Spirit in our lives. I'm thankful for the praying in other tongues and praying in another language. And I'm thankful when the Holy Spirit can, can, can step in and, and uh, uh, work in my life through a gift that's not a natural ability or a natural thing I can conjure up on my own. But I need the Holy Spirit to hold my tongue. I need, my Holy, I need the Holy Spirit to speak words of truth instead of words of lies, to instead of gossip and rumor, to hold and restrain myself. I need the Holy Spirit to have right character and integrity, to be a person of good reputation. And it all begins with the greater awareness 
And so the enemy wants to challenge your awareness of the Holy Spirit. He says they walk in darkness, futility of their minds. If the enemy can hide the work of the Holy Spirit, challenge the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we can't yield to it. We can't partner with his spirit. Let me give you some things that are results of walking with the spirit. Walking with the spirit and awareness of the spirit. Number one, we choose what pleases God rather than what benefits us. We choose what pleases God rather than simply what benefits us. Selfishness is eradicated when I live by the spirit. I promote his interest above mine. I value his values and his standards above mine. I don't speak on my own accord. I don't offer my opinion. We live in a very opinionated age. But when you are walking with the Spirit, you're not just offering your suggestion, your recommendation, your opinion at every turn. You are, Holy Spirit, what would you say? What pleases you? What gratifies you? Not just what benefits me. Secondly, we rely on revelation instead of information. When I walk with the Holy Spirit, yield with the work of the Holy Spirit, I rely on revelation over information. I'm not just looking for the next quick fact. I'm not looking or studying or even getting in God's word just to fill my head with knowledge. I wanna fill my spirit with with revelation. Revelation is how I live. You were designed to live by revelation, not information. Thirdly, and this isn't all inclusive, I'm just giving some things to just kind of shift our thinking as we look at and unveil this awareness of the Spirit. Thirdly, we seek His purpose instead of our plans. We seek His purpose instead of our plans. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I want his purpose to reign above all. And when I walk with the spirit, guess what the Holy Spirit's gonna help you do? Walk out the great purpose that God has for your life. All by partnering with the Holy Spirit. Next, we have a greater capacity to see what can be done rather than just what is happening. A greater capacity to see what can be done instead of just what is going on. I believe the Holy Spirit enhances our vision. Sight sees what is happening. Sight sees what it is. It sees the marriage for what it is. It sees the nation for what it is. It sees the school for what it is. It sees the the, the brokenness for what it is. But vision sees beyond what it is into what it can be. When you walk with the Holy Spirit, you carry redemptive value. You see something as redeemable. You see something as worth going after 
rather than just cutting off and writing off. You see something as worth fighting for. Many marriages, if you are on the verge or on the brink, you just see brokenness, you just see depravity, partner with the Holy Spirit and he'll show you what that, Holy, what that marriage can look like, what a righteous marriage looks like, what a godly marriage looks like, what a marriage where we're both partnering with the Holy Spirit and the work of his, of his direction in our lives. It helps you see something beyond what it is. The next item I have, worship team, you can make your way this way. The next item I have is you learn to surrender instead of strive. I believe when we partner with the Holy Spirit, we'll find ourselves in a more yielded state than we are in trying to acquire and attempt and produce things on our own. I believe as we work with the Holy Spirit, partner with the Holy Spirit, yield to the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden I find myself saying, Father, whatever you want. Now that is not a passive surrender. God, you you just take over. No, it's a listening to, being prompted from the inside and then following in the direction that the Holy Spirit leads. If you run a business, You need to surrender rather than strive. Striving takes over our busy work. Striving takes over because as long as I keep the calendar full and the schedule uh, list going on and meeting after meeting and going after going, I feel like I'm accomplishing something. But the Holy Spirit can help you do in 10 minutes what it's taken you 10 years to produce. He'll help you do with $10 what 10,000 couldn't accomplish. He's wise. I'm just showing you some practical ways that walking with and partnering with the Holy Spirit can enhance and and, and allow our lives to be productive and effective. The last one I have Walking with the Spirit allows us to be to more easily believe the truth of God's word than the lies of the devil. Walking in and with the Spirit allows us to more easily believe the truth of God's word rather than the lies of the devil. Have you noticed it's so easy to believe a lie from the enemy, but it takes so much work to believe a truth from God's word. And I believe as we partner with the Holy Spirit, as we walk with him, this truth jumps off the page and you find yourself partnering with that truth, believing that truth about yourself, believing who you are in Christ, believing in what you have, believing in what it can be, believing again, believing again. There's a a sense of believing that comes over you when you choose to work with and partner with and walk with and live with the Holy Spirit. My awareness changes. The direction of my thoughts changes. God's truth is meant to be believed. It's meant to be lived out and you start shutting down the lies, you'll never make it. I I rebuke that. I don't receive that. You start choosing words of life over words of death. 
And then you partner in such a way where those words become your words. So you stop saying things like, I'm never gonna get my healing. I'm always gonna be this way. It's never gonna get any better than this. This is the best it's ever gonna be. You start partnering with the Holy Spirit and you start speaking prophetically over your life. Speaking life over your children, over your marriage. Come on, we need to speak life over this country. He's not giving up on America. Speak life into situations where everybody else is speaking death. Easy to find for every 100 death statements, you've got one life statement. But let's choose life. Let's choose peace. Let's choose the way of the Spirit. Father, we thank you now for your Holy Spirit. We thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.